This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of HR in Review. I'm Amelia Brand, your host for today, and in this episode, we will be discussing all things neurodiversity in the workplace. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Jones, CEO of Agility in Mind, who uses strategic experience and operational skills to make a difference in business strategy and operation. We explore exactly what it means when we say someone is neurodivergent, and also dive into what the research by Agility in Mind shows about the representation and inclusion of neurodivergent individuals within the workplace. We also explore how managers can support neurodivergent workers, even if they're working remotely. Hi, Andrew. Welcome. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Great. So today we're going to be talking about neurodiversity in the workplace, exploring why the support for neurodiverse individuals lags far behind when it comes to representation. And we'll also talk a bit about some of the benefits that neurodiverse individuals actually do bring to the workplace. So firstly, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the research you're going to be speaking about? Yeah, of course. Um, So my name is Andrew Jones and I I run a company called Agility in Mind. Um, Now, you might think that that has a real connection to what we're talking about in terms of neurodiversity. But the reason that um, I set up Agility in Mind and called it that is when when we're dealing with organisations, when we're talking about change, what we're trying to do is to keep agility in mind when when we're achieving outcomes. But most importantly, when we when we want to see changes in organization it starts with the way people think about what could be done and about where they they might want to get to so it all it always starts with with a thought process so that's where we came from Um, and the reason that we're particularly interested in uh in neurodiversity uh but more broadly sort of inclusion diversity and equity in organizations is that what we see is that successful organisations are those ones that recognise that it's people at, at the centre. And there is absolute mm-hmm. diversity right across um, uh, populations within within organisations and, of course, within society. So we start with people. Great. Um, so to kick off the podcast, it might be worth asking you, how do you define neurodiversity? Well, I mean, that is a really good question. And... Um, and I don't claim to be an expert in terms of neurodiversity. And, it, and it's certainly um, a way of thinking about um, people who perhaps might be categorised in some way with some recognised diagnosis or condition or way of thinking. And I have a bit of a challenge, really, in terms of sometimes about thinking about neurodiverse people versus neurotypical people. And the reason that I say that there's a challenge there is because I don't think you can categorise everybody else as being neurotypical because there's such a diversity of of thinking. Um, and even if people haven't got sort of some sort of recognised uh, way of putting them into that sort of neurodiverse category, people do think in different ways. So first of all, I think it's just recognising that people do think in different ways. Now, of course, there are certain things that would place people in into that neurodiverse category. So it might be things like autism, for example, which is perhaps one that is a bit more understood. 
uh, in terms of you know that it, it's it's there and it's common commonplace in society. Mm. But really, it's the it's the way that people think and the diversity of of way people think that sometimes it's uh, it can be sort of a bit a bit more extreme. But certainly, because it's it's about thinking, it tends to be a, a lot more hidden. So perhaps when when we see it, uh, we see it within behaviours, and that's how we might categorise it. But really, it is about um, it's about what what happens in the mind, I guess. Mm. But you know, I think it, it is fair to say that um, you know neurodiversity is lagging far behind when it comes to representation and inclusion. Um, so, so what do you think companies are doing to address this? Well, the the research that we did, we did find that it was something only like four percent of FTSE one hundred companies had specific initiatives to address it. You know, compare yeah. that to things like LGBTQ plus initiatives, mm. where you know it's getting on for sort of fifty percent of those organisations. Whereas most FTSE 100 companies, you know, sort of 99% plus, um, had clear statements around inclusivity. So mm. it would seem that in general, um, things aren't really being done to address neurodiversity within, within the workplace. And I think it's because it's perhaps one of those things that because it's difficult to see, you know, it's difficult to do something about it. If it's difficult to see, it's difficult to understand. Uh, and mm. that might be the thing that, that sort of holds people back. So do you think that's one of the major obstacles then, stopping managers from doing better then? Yeah, because, I mean, as soon as you, you, you talk about managers, you know, you are also mm. talking about people, you know, you, you just because they've got a, uh, a position in an organisation or, or a particular job title doesn't stop them from being individuals. And, and one of the challenges that we have just generally is, is developing empathy. Um, mm. you know, seeing things from other people's perspectives. And because because sort of neuro- neurodiversity, as I said before, isn't isn't necessarily seen, it's quite difficult for people to to start to understand what is it practically that I can do. You know, um, you know, we, we tend to be very practical in uh, in addressing these things. So I think that's probably the the obstacle. It's it's unseen, so why do we need to do something about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's move on then to discuss the workplace strengths of neurodiverse individuals. What do you think some of the benefits are of having neurodiverse staff in your workforce? And, you know, I guess what kind of strengths do you think neurodiverse employees bring to the table? If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, I think, first of all, recognising that there is diversity of thinking is, a, is yeah. the starting point. Um, and I, I really like, you know, some of the um, the things that Matthew Side writes about, for example, and, and about where great ideas come from. And great ideas, great innov- innovations come quite often from a, a clash of thinking, you know, seeing things from different perspectives. And it might be, you know, it, it might be, for example, within music, clashing of different genres of music. You can you can get something that's quite interesting and something that um, that can be sort of differentiated in that market. And there, there are plenty of examples of that. So where you get a clash of clash of thoughts, a clash of ideas, those things can be quite rich in in the innovation that, that they bring. 
But I think there's the other aspect is that because we do have a neurodiversity within within the population, there's a real danger if we if we have people all thinking or seemingly thinking in the same way as not in an organisation. You really mm. don't get that representation. So if you're only seeing things from one perspective and that is only your perspective, you really won't be able to reach the the the, the breadth of of um, thinking and um, needs within within society. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of digging further into that then, do you think you could outline some ways employers can ensure that neurodiversity is actually celebrated within the workplace? And I guess, you know, embedded within that, how do you think managers can actually build this inclusivity into their company and take an agile approach to the change? So, so do you think it, it starts with the, the people that, that you've got within in the organisation and really trying to raise awareness first of all Mm. um and and in terms of celebrating i think to start with you know let's get a little bit more acceptance um that because somebody thinks differently doesn't mean that they're a bad person or they're not good at their job or you know whatever whatever uh, conclusion people come to so let's first of all just recognize that because people are thinking differently doesn't mean to say that um, they're necessarily different in their in their needs. When it comes to celebrating, you know, let, let's try and find um, ways within um, within the sort of the regular events within organisations. You know, whether those are are meetings or social events to make those more accessible to people that um, think in different ways. For for example, I, I do remember going to. Um, a quite a well-known global uh, company just a short while ago, and I was impressed with the with the head of people in that organisation. You know, she was trying to bring a sort of a fresh spirit to it, and it was it was all going to be about the people and about building this this culture of inclusivity. And and one of the things, one of the initiatives she she drove was every lunchtime they would all stop together, they would all sit down together, and they would all have lunch together, and they would talk together and chat. And for her, as as a very sort of outgoing, gregarious sort of person, I could I could see how that would be wonderful. Mm. But for other people in the organisation, you know, let's recognise that not everybody really wants to do that, and not everybody feels comfortable doing that. So I think when it comes to celebrating, you know, let, let's just recognise that different people uh, have different ways of, of of doing it in the first place. Yeah, that's actually really super interesting, I guess, you know, not only acknowledging, but uh, accepting differences as well. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the majority of the workforce then. Um, do you, Can you perhaps offer some insights into how managers and employers can engage, you know, the other areas of the workforce to ensure that they are helping to create and implement uh, this change you know not only I know we just spoke about acknowledging and accepting but do you think about any other ways so we recognize that um, each organization is unique from in terms of where it's come from where it's going mm. what it does the people within it you know and the individuals are, are unique in, the, in themselves beginning with inclusivity in, in mind so making sure that um, with those events you know we, we don't put up barriers for people getting involved um, when it comes to making making changes and, and trying to find that, um, making that inclusive in itself so that it, rather than it, it being seen as a, an HR initiative, for example, let's try to make it a whole organisation initiative so that we get sort of cross-functional teams that think about change and think about um, 
taking that out and, and getting the conversations going across the organisation. Um, I mean, we do believe in working incrementally, you know, trying things, doing mm. things in small steps, making sure that we're, we're getting feedback each time. Not, not everything is, is going to work. So trying small things and finding out whether they work or not is a great way to sort of de-risk and make sure that it's more of a, a journey rather than, you know, um, a destination that... Um, that, uh, that we're going on. Mm, great. Okay. So one of my last questions for you, um, obviously, you know, the working world as we know it has fundamentally changed uh, with so many more working in a remote model. So what sort of challenges do you think arise when supporting neurodiverse employees who work remotely or perhaps in a hybrid model? So the, the you know, the, the, so the issue of remote working, actually, you know, there, there will be, there will be pros and cons. There will be swings and roundabouts. For neurodiverse people, but for broader population and organisations, I think the real challenge is managers and and them really understanding their role now. Because I think that's probably a bigger challenge in terms of the change that that's taking place. So managers, I think, perhaps have now got more flexibility to to find ways to keep people included in in the in the process. But I think they 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 really need to be thinking um, honestly about their role and changing from managers through to um, through to leaders, you know, and trying to find ways to to lead people through trust trust people to be doing uh, to be working effectively rather than feeling that they've got to control what people are doing. So I think that the cultural elements of that are going to be the big things that um, that we need to address. Great. Okay. Well, this was super interesting. Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on. It was great to have you. Thank you ever so much for your time and for inviting me. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. HRReview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HRReview or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.